Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I'm so excited. I'm here with a Trulia Housewives expert. He literally wrote the book on it. He's a buddy of mine, a Dave Quinn, author of Not All Diamonds and Rosé. Dave, how are you? I'm so good. I'm so happy to finally be here. I am an avid listener of your podcast. I adore you as a as a personal friend and as a human, but also as a as a journalist and a broadcaster. I just think you're the best. Oh, so I am you, like, Dave. this is my version of like me being uh, Rosie O'Donnell and and being on with Barbara <laughs> Streisand. That's how I feel. Like I'm just uh, I'm such a fan. I'm honored. And you know, Dave, I've tried to get you on the podcast before. You were supposed to come on one time. We couldn't work it out, but I'm glad we waited because now we get to dive into this book. And you know, I'm so proud of you because you are a friend. And of course, when a friend uh, puts out a project or something, you're already rooting for it and super excited. Uh, But when I got this book, I was just blown away by how good it is. And not to say my expectations were low by any means. Of course, I knew how, how great and brilliant you were or are, but I was just blown away. I was shocked. And knowing the publishing process, I was shocked at just how much you were able to load into this book from like a legal standpoint, even it's like, oh my God, you got away with a lot of juicy stuff in here. So uh, talk to me about the process of putting it together. Oh my God. The process was so hard. I have to say, I mean, a lot of people uh, seem to do this effortlessly. For me, it was really difficult. Um, I truly, I joke in the book that Aviva Dresser said it takes a village to write a book. I felt like I had a whole city behind me to get to the end of this because there was so much work that needed to be done. We interviewed, I interviewed, I should say, uh, um, 185 people. So housewives, uh, friends of the Kim D's, the Kim G's, the Marlowe's, they're all in there. Plus like executives, um, producers, uh, various other sorts of people in the Bravo cinematic universe. And then just trying to like transcribe over 500 hours of interviews and then build what it might look like was really challenging. But I really relied on the fans. I started this process by sending out a tweet before anyone knew that I had signed the book deal and just saying, what are your burning questions about Bravo? And I used those to make sure that they were all in there so that fans would really feel like they got their questions answered and then just did a whole lot of editing. Because you're like, as an oral history person, you're both an interview, you're a writer and an editor. It's really all in one. So it was challenging. And for people who don't know an oral history, it's a collection of quotes that essentially tell a story, a collection of interviews that tell a story. And I was so, as a Bravo junkie myself, I have this show and I was loving how thorough it was and how you covered every single city that we have, aside from Salt Lake, which of course was new. So, you know, you weren't able to cover it in the book, but, you know, we got the Miami chapter, which I loved Miami. And so I, I was just obsessed reading that. And we got Dallas, we got DC. Uh, and to me, those are some of the most interesting bits of the book because there are cities that we don't know exactly what happened uh, with a lot of things. So uh, was there, did you ever have any trouble determining what to include or what cities to include or that kind of thing? Oh my gosh. Well, the cities were easy. I knew that they were all going to be included and and I knew that was going to be the case, but what stories to include was really hard. Danny, the first chapter that I sent <laughs> my poor editor, James, uh, was 500 pages long. That was the Orange <laughs> County chapter. That was draft one. So I think in the Which book- Which is, by the way, Dave, like two books. Like <laughs> That's like already two books. I know. And, and he let me know that too. <laughs> he was not- <laughs> Happy, but I had a hard time cutting 
because I was so close to the material as it was, I felt like I had done such an, you know, a, an intense cut to get to that point. And I knew that there were just so many things like for me, the fun was in the repetition. The fun was in multiple people saying that they hated Tamara and multiple people defending Tamara so that you really could see the wide you know, effect that she had on a lot of different cast members, something like that, for example. But, you know, in the end, I think a lot of it is in there. I'm really happy with the end result that we have. And I think that the Bravo Liberty fans, like you are a super fan. You obviously, you run this podcast, you're looking at the tweets and the Instagrams, you're constantly talking about it, but there's casual viewers. And I think in the range of Bravo Liberties, we'll all kind of walk away with something that they maybe knew or didn't know. You know, I love that there was confirmation on things that super fans like myself, we always sort of expected. I mean, even something like Puppygate on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, it's like, there's, I feel like we've sort of known what happened, but just hearing it from the mouths of people that were involved. uh, Can you explain, maybe get into a little bit of that? Can you give us a, a little bit of what happened there in terms of Lisa Vanderpump, the returning of Lucy Lucy Apple should be juicy? (laughs) <laughs> it should be juicy. I don't know. Fans really know. think it's juicy. I was like, it's juice. It's juice. I know. That's so annoying, Dave, though. Like, <laughs> they, it should have been fucking juicy. Excuse I know. My we, were, we were so close. Um, and you know that one of the stories that I did at People Magazine, the time that I was there working on Housewives Beat, was find out where the new owners of Lucy Lucy Apple Juice, who they are. The dog is great. The dog is real journalism. Great. Real journalism. <laughs> Where's my fucking Pulitzer? Where, where'd the puppy go? <laughs> <laughs> you cursed. I'm going to curse. Um, no, I mean, that story is so interesting. You know, Lisa really did not want, when I interviewed Lisa, to go back through all of this. She stands firm that she didn't leak anything to the blog. She stands firm that this, you know, that she felt really bullied by her castmates over and over and over again and wanted to leave. She didn't want to go back in the muck, but. Her castmates really believe that she did. Chris Cullen, who is uh, one of the producers and was a producer that season, firmly believed that she did it as well. Even the producers kind of looked at Lisa as playing chess during all of her time on the show. So all of this is presented for the reader to decide how they want to feel about it. I may have a feeling as a fan, but as a journalist, I really want to present all sides. And that's what I tried to do. Uh, who said no to interviews? I think there's a couple people that are missing from, I mean, obviously there's so many juicy interviews, but there's a couple people. And I wonder, did you reach out to to Bethany, let's say? Of course. Yeah. Every single housewife was uh, painstakingly contacted by me, probably too much to the point where they were like enough already. Um, and, you know, I'm happy again, we have over a hundred housewives in the book, over 185 people total. So I'm really happy of the amount of voices that we have. Unfortunately, even some people that we talked to that we couldn't even fit in in the end uh, because the book got so thick. But who did you cut? Wait, who did you cut? Oh, well, we talked to Linda uh, and, and Kat from DC. Unfortunately, you know, just the way that chapter worked out, originally we were really taking a grand, painstakingly scale uh, look at the entire season. And then, of course, it ended up just being what we could really talk about, which was the White House party crashing incident, oh, alleged, so which is so, so good. So uh, a lot of that is left on, out. Um, and people like, in the DC chapter, of course, I'm thinking of that right now. Uh, Edwina Roger, who you remember if you watch DC, was like this side character, this Republican pundit at the time. And she threw a party and ended up in an ambulance leaving, you know, before Vicki Gumbelson ever was leaving parties and ambulances. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there were some people who just unfortunately that there was no space for them. But uh, as far as the people who didn't participate, the white whale for me, the one I tried the hardest was. Uh, was a hundred percent Alex McCord. I just I wanted Alex McCord so badly. I know I've tried to get her on this podcast too. I think she's, she's off in Australia. She's doing good, but she's not interested in rehashing any of this stuff. I know. And I tried to convince Bravo, you know, whenever I would talk to anyone from the network, I would say, listen, she is a, she has a degree in psychology right now. You need to do a reality version of web therapy and just have her over the web, giving therapy to the housewives. She's perfect for this. You know, Dave, I was really shocked. I'll be honest. There is like that little moment between Andy Cohen, 
who I love, and Candace Dillard from The Real House of Potomac. Do you know what part I'm talking about? Of course I do. I couldn't, because obviously this is Andy's imprint and we love Andy, but I kind of expected that this would paint a picture of Andy that is as fabulous as we all know and love him to be. But there are a couple moments where you get to see some more unfiltered takes on him. Specifically, I'm talking about this Candace moment. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of the things that Andy actually pushed hard for in the beginning. I remember our first conversation, he said, I want you to go in there and just get them to spill everything. Nothing is off, off limits. You can ask them any questions you want and let them know that they can say whatever they want. And he said, if any of them trash me, I want you to put it in the book because I want people to be able to see that it is like we say in the title, not all diamonds in a rosé, that there are things that I have done that have upset them as well. And they should feel free to express their frustration towards me. Now, I said that to every woman. I told every woman who I interviewed that. Some took advantage of it, others didn't. Um, and I think Candace, in this case, you know, this interview is happening in the summer of 2020. The uh, If you remember, The Real Housewives of Potomac uh, was just airing that season between her and Monique, the, the big uh, um, disagreement and the drama that was happening between the two of them. So I think she felt a certain way about how Andy was treating her, about the communication she was receiving from Andy. And she mentioned it all, and so did I. And Andy saw it. I mean, he read the book before the book was published and did not cut a single thing. Um, So his ego is not fragile in that sense. And he promised over and over again that he would not be holding any sort of retaliation against anybody that he really just wanted them to uh, feel free to paint their picture. My jaw jaw was dropped. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is in here. I felt like, you know, when you feel like someone's like spying on you or something, as I was reading, I was like, is somebody here? Like, um, okay, I want to get your take. You obviously know about all these women. Who do you think? is the best housewife. And also, did you get a sense of everyone always asks Andy who his favorite housewife is? And he always says he can't really say that, obviously. But did you get a sense of who his favorite housewife is? Oh, you know, it's so, can I answer that second part first? Because I think that a lot of people really believe that Bethany is Andy's favorite housewife and that he and Bethany are super close and have a really tight relationship. And yeah, I mean, he kind of denies that in the book and and in our interviews. And I think that he has a lot of affection for the early housewives because he was so closely involved in the early days of housewives when he was working as an executive at Bravo. So there's something like the Joe and Slade of it all, the Vicky of it all that he really kind of loves. And of course, New York was on his turf, so, like, he has a lot of um, closeness to Ramona and Luann and to Bethany and Jill and Alex in those early seasons. Like, he remembers all of those moments in a way that he maybe not remembers the early days of Dallas, right? Because it was just a different thing. It was at a different point in his career. Um, so, I think his memories in those early days, I think he has a lot of affection for those women. But I never got a sense of who he loved more than anyone else. It was sad reading about his dissolution relationship with Carol. Like that was sad to me. I know. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and Nini too. I mean, he talks mm-hmm. openly about both of those relationships and, and Carol does not hold back on her feelings. Towards oh my Andy God, Dave, juicy. Carol was so juicy about everything she was saying about Bethany. She did not hold back even an ounce. And I loved I it. What did, what was your takeaway from Bethany? her time on the show after interviewing all these people, because I got my own sense after reading this, but what did you take away? I think that, and this is also calling into my experience with Bethany. I think that Bethany has a personality where she is very headstrong. She has strong opinions. She kind of takes over in a way that, you know, a lot of people may feel uh, frustrated by or maybe even jealous of, but she just has that natural charisma, that natural sort of uh, energy to her. When she filmed that show, I think that she kind of ran the scenes. I think that she knew what was going on, you know, like the cameras were up and she was on just like she is in, in life off camera. And it seemed like she was in and out, like, especially towards the end, you know, mm-hmm. she had sort of uh, different hours than everyone. And 
Yeah, I mean, she uh, was building her empire and uh, and going through this divorce and focusing on her family. And I I don't think that she was as in it as she was in the beginning. And you know, there's you'll read there's a lot of resentment towards the way she handled things. And we talk a lot about her exit and how that went down. Do you ever think she'll come back? I mean, I do. I yeah, just, I do too. I, I do, do too. because I think it's a good business decision for her, and she's ultimately a businesswoman. Bethany works, in my perspective, as a viewer, so great in an ensemble, and she just needs to be a part of an ensemble. I know it doesn't work when it's, um, it doesn't work otherwise. That HBO Max show is a big hot mess. Uh, <laughs> Dave, okay, so who is your favorite housewife? Who do you think is oh. the best at the job? I mean, that, that's the thing. I think they're all good for various reasons. If I you had house- to pick one. Gosh, can you answer this question, Danny? Would you be able to? No, I think looking back at the whole scope of everything, I, and I've talked about this before, I think Nini, when she was good, there was no one better. I think at the, there was a large chunk of time. And I I actually think towards the end, she was more checked out than anything. I I feel like she was just ready to move on or, or, or over it in a lot of ways. But when she was good, she was great. I think Karen Huger to me is like quintessential housewives perfection. I love her. Uh, Giselle is super messy and good for the show. Tamara, who I didn't like, we all know that towards the end, I was saying, let's get rid of Tamara. But looking back on her time, I think she did what, what I think a housewife is maybe the job entails, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm. I would put Tamara probably at the top of the list simply because of the fact that, and and it's the way Doug Ross and Alex Baskin, the producers for Evolution, who worked on the show, it's the way uh, other housewives, Andy, kind of everyone spoke about her. She was the first housewife on the series who had opinions about other women, who expressed them, and really kind of paved the way. She changed the show and the course of what the show would end up being. So I think that she's kind of the quintessential housewife. But I also. Have have a very soft spot in my heart for women like Eileen Davidson, who I just oh, I loved like, Eileen. adore. Yeah. yeah. And Nini, of course. I love Kenya Moore. I love Lisa Renna. I love Candace Dillard. I love Karen Huger. I love oh, so many of them. And a lot of these people were mentioning they're the most divisive because I've had so many of these women on the show. And oftentimes these people were speaking of, I'll get the meanest messages, like the meanest DMs. How dare you have Tamara on or whoever? And it's it's not just like a First of all, I'm thinking, just skip the episode if you don't like them. But then I look at the numbers and they're like the most downloaded episodes. And yet I get the meanest thing, the meanest comments, meanest messages. And it's like, oh, these are the people people love to hate watch or, or yeah, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, love to hate. Yeah. I mean, and we talk about that where the line is between love to hate and hate to hate, because sometimes it shifts all of a sudden they love a housewife and then the fandom starts changing and the network and the producers shift as well. But I firmly believe there's no pleasing a housewife fan. You shouldn't even try to please a housewife fan because I was saying earlier this season, like if you watched if you watch Beverly Hills, fans were saying Lisa Renna is not talking about the fact that her daughter is dating Scott Disick. She's hiding it from everyone and she's going after whatever, you know? And then, uh, and then after she talked about it, it was Lisa Renna is all she's doing is using the fact that her daughter is dating Scott Disick for a storyline. Oh, what the hell is Lisa Renna going to do to please you? Nothing. So you can never please a housewives fan. People make up their decisions. Erica Jane could unzip her skin and show you her bones and you still think she wouldn't be being transparent enough. In my experience, Beverly Hills also just has a different type of fan base that is, is more intense than the others. When I'm recapping Beverly Hills, there's you, you're going to piss off somebody, somebody every single time. It's like people get mad. And what you mentioned about us changing, I do think is so true with, with Lisa Renna, for instance, I always used to like her. And now this season I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get tired of the shtick, which I think is what happened with Tamara too. Not to say that these people didn't bring good TV throughout the years, but I think we do change and it is important for people to evolve. Who do you think will be the last one standing? Oh, Teresa Judice. Oh, really? Teresa, um, you know, I, I don't think that Real Housewives in New Jersey could exist without her. I just think yeah. that she will be the last one standing on that show for sure. 
That's that chapter, your chapter about New Jersey was so good because there's this never be told story about an arrest that happened on a cast trip. Yeah. That was I've something I'd never heard before. And I'm friends with Greggy Ben and I I had just never heard this. So many of the people, including Caroline Manzo uh, and Melissa Gorgo, when I was talking to them about that, were like, we can't tell you this, so stop asking questions. And then like, I, I mean, with Caroline, she was like, if Andy Cohen calls me and tells me I can tell you, then I'll tell you. And sure enough, she had to get a call from Andy Cohen and she called me back and told me the whole story. So am again, I teasing? Am I teasing too much? Can we tell listeners that story? Can we like... I mean, I'd love for them to, I'd love for them to explore it and, and discover it. But yeah, I mean, there's something that happens in the Dominican Republic after the trip. I think it was season three and, uh, and it involves some of the people got to go home and other people didn't get to go home. We'll so are you, that. you team Melissa and Kathy or team Teresa on the casting? Because that was a big debate, both in the fandom and in the book as to whether or not it was appropriate that Kathy and Melissa signed those contracts. And Danny, I mean, it seems to carry over because if you saw the trailer for Ultimate Girls Trip, Teresa and Melissa are fighting over it again. They hate each other. I cannot help but wonder if like this interview, which happened before that trip, may have changed things. But um, but yeah, whose team am I on? I mean, I'm team good TV because it's always good television. I don't blame Melissa and and Kathy for joining. And I think that they were great housewives, both of them. And I think that Teresa, I understand why she's frustrated, but I think that she should be thankful that they joined because if they hadn't, maybe Teresa wouldn't still be on the show. I think that they, mm. in a lot of ways gave Teresa a huge fandom to sit behind her. Right. What uh, do you think Rosie was ever going to be a housewife? I, I didn't seem like they were. I mean, I asked about Rosie. I don't think she was ever considered for a housewife role, but she, and we talked to her in the book. She is such a good comedic relief. And uh, we, we really explored her relationship with, uh, with Joe Judice, with Joe Judice, excuse me. And, uh, and is it Judice or Judice? It's Judice. It's Judice. Okay. I finally got definitively down. definitive okay. saying is Judice. <laughs> That's the big <laughs> reveal here, to be honest with you. Uh, okay. So, Looking at the overall show, you've watched every episode of this franchise in every city. What do you think is the best season overall? I have my wow. choices, but I'm talking every every city, every oh season. Goodness. Okay. Uh, there's something so incredible about Real Housewives of Atlanta season nine. That was the uh, fight between... Uh, or the disagreement, I should say, between Candy and Phaedra and the friendship fall apart that they had. The very the, first four-part reunion. And yes, the only the one first. up until this point. Yeah, that is an incredible season of television. I love that one. I'm not going to be able to air just one. I mean, season three of Jersey is so good with mm-hmm. Melissa joining the show, with the christening, with the tension between the family there. That for No me, premiere has been better, I think. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think season uh, five of Potomac, what are we in six right now of Potomac? So last season of Potomac, season five between Candace and Monique was riveting television all the way through the fourth wall break, how they talked about how black women should be perceived on television, the colorism conversation. uh, It was all in, you know, incredibly captivating television for me. Beverly Hills right now, I think is having its best season ever. I love this season and I'm now going franchise by franchise. If you haven't noticed what's New York, my, I have such a soft spot for season three of New York. It's the best a hundred percent. I mean, the, if anyone I've been, uh, if anyone wants to look to the best sort of friendship breakup throughout all, it's that breakup between Bethany and Jill. It's the most heartbreaking. You really feel for uh, Bethany in that red dress crying outside that limo, right? We can recall it so clearly that is an incredible season of TV. And that really set the standard for housewives trips, which you talk about in the book, scary Island, which there's still so much mystery. I still don't quite understand what happened. I mean, I sort (laughs) of have more clarity after reading the book, but to me, the most confusing part is every Kelly Ben Simone interview about it is confusing. (laughs) And I feel like it changes all the time. That was my experience as well. Uh, Yeah. I mean, she, in this book, at least, told me that she wasn't upset when she was there. She was having a great time, seemingly uh, 
painting it as if she was just all doing this for fun and that everyone was being, uh, you know, aggressive towards her and she had to go, but that is not the experience I had watching it as a viewer. And then I've seen other interviews with her where it sounds totally different. I love that about Kelly. She is an enigma. Yeah. She's an enigma wrapped in uh, gym clothes running in the middle of New York city. <laughs> also, there's this little tidbit. Jill Zarin actually said on this show that she has a photo of Kelly at the airport. And she said that in your book too, but yet we don't have this photo. So where is Danny, the photo? Jill Zarin. Danny, I, I cannot tell you how hard I tried to get this photo. I begged, pleaded. I told her I would pay money for it because we have pictures in the book. I wanted pictures. And so and she, what, she didn't. She kept saying, I have it and I'm going to, I'm going to use it for me. And uh, at one point I will share it when I'm ready. Meaning to me that once she can find a way to make a good amount of money off of it, <laughs> she'll show it. But I'm hopeful that the fans who read this book, just like listen to your podcast, continue to flood her Instagram and her Twitter and beg her to show that picture. Let's I print it on one of the rugs. Like, let's <laughs> just get one of the rugs with the pic. I buy that. I have her rugs. I'm literally on one of her rugs right now. And they're great rugs. This I would is not a promo, but I like the rugs. Jill Zarin rugs. Get them at jillzarin.com. Yeah. Uh, she has a new furniture line too. Print them on the what furniture line. are we promoing line. her, Dave? Buy your book, buy my book. We don't need to promo the rugs anymore. I know. It's true. Oh, it's true. Wait. Okay, Dave. So tell me something juicy that was uh, not printed in the book or something you had to cut. Obviously, it's so expansive, but there must have been a couple little tidbits that... Yeah. You know, one of my favorite parts that didn't make it in and it just, you know, again, I feel really happy about what is in there. I don't want to make you think that there's oh, so much. Believe me, this out. book is so fucking good day. People are going to eat it up. <laughs> but there was a woman by the name of Katie Hamilton who filmed uh, in the season 10 of the Real Housewives of Orange County. And we got to, she filmed for a bit. She, she really was involved. Her husband um, or her ex-husband, Josh Hamilton is a pro, pro baseball player and in the midst of filming, he very publicly had a relapse and she left uh, the show to deal with that. And they just cut her out. So there's like this whole person who was around. You see her. She goes on the trip. She's just kind of like in the Wait, background. What? I didn't even know this. Yeah. You would never like notice her. What season was that? This is season 10. This is uh, Brooks Cancergate. And she was around for the beginning of Brooks Cancergate and some of those conversations. And you had Katie Hamilton with a pro baseball player husband, and you had Megan King Edmonds with a pro baseball player husband. So that was like an interesting dynamic between the two of them. But she's gone. She vanished. So you'll, you'll see her now watching that season back. You'll see Katie Hamilton in the background. I think uh, Megan, oh, I think it's uh, Heather who's like, this is my friend Katie. And she's just like, Hi. And, you know, you didn't know that she had been filming at home with her husband, with her kids. She had done confessionals. It's always so sad to me when that happens. I know on Dallas, they had that redhead woman who was just completely cut. She had like three lines the whole season. And you're like, what happened to that person? But wait, this Katie Hamilton. So she was cut out of the season and now she was cut out of the book. I know. I feel horrible. <laughs> she gave such a great interview too. But again, you, there's only so much stuff you can include. And it, at a certain point, it was like, do you want to hear from this person who you've never heard from before? Or do you want to hear more stuff from Tamara or more stuff from Kelly? And it became like, all right, well, it makes more sense to keep it current, but maybe if there's a paperback edition, they, if Bravo wants to publish part two, I've got it all ready and transcribed. We can wait. Put it so back. what did Katie say? Did she say anything like uh, about any of the other women or what happened? Or can you give me one thing that Katie said? Sure. She talked about her experience with her husband and how that all went down and what filming was like. And of course I have Bill Langworthy, who is the executive producer talking about filming with her and, you know, how difficult it was when, uh, when Josh relapsed. And she, I asked her, like, were you on someone's side? Were you fighting with anybody? She wasn't. She was not really having any drama with any of the women, but she had, uh, apparently a family member who had also allegedly been involved in a cancer scheme. So she was kind of giving that information up at the same time. I mean, it would have been incredible. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, we use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Did give me some famous names of people that were approached or almost did almost became housewives. I mean, you mentioned Katie Hamilton, but we do know that uh, particularly in Beverly Hills, there's often actresses and, and sometimes they maybe just go through a phone call. Other times they maybe start filming. Can you give me some names of some oh, of the people? I mean, there's lots of names in the book. Christy Turlington uh, from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She was uh, uh, apparently invested and interested in doing the Real Housewives of Orange County. County, Mary Lou Hemingway as well, or Mary Lou Henner. Henner. Henner, sorry about that. Um, and then there was uh, in Beverly Hills. I mean, there were so many names. The thing I was most excited about is that they went to every cast member from Desperate Housewives. They tried to get them all on there. Terry Hatcher, Marsha Cross, Eva Longoria. They reached out to all of them. And that would have been for me just like a mind-blowing experience, right? Because the show is named after Desperate Housewives in a way. So that would have been fun. Carmen Electra, they reached out to. I mean, uh, the casting director for The Real Houses of Beverly Hills says to me, like, I interviewed, if there's a famous name, we tried her. They tried to get um, uh, 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 Heather Locklear for a long time. They tried to get Lori Lachlan. The fact that Lori Lachlan nearly was a housewife, and this was all before, before. the scandal. Can you imagine what it would have been like if Lori Lachlan was on the show and the whole scandal broke? Lisa Renna would have had a field day. <laughs> oh, Dave, I'm getting too excited just thinking about it. I prefer, and I, I'm curious what your take is. I prefer the unknowns, the sort of, I, I think oftentimes with the actors, they present a different version of themselves because they're so used to acting, obviously. Uh, and I kind of like the raw personality of of some of these other women. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, for every Hollywood actress like Lisa Renna, who we knew before and you know, shows up and actually gives us incredible reality TV or Garcelle, right. Who gives us incredible reality TV. You also have on the other side, a Kim Fields who just like, doesn't know how to work this genre or even Denise Richards to some extent, who just wasn't ready for this genre. So I too prefer the unknowns. And I think about women like Dorinda Medley, Margaret Joseph, Shannon Bedore, these women who 
I love as housewives. And I think all, you know, have given us such great television over the years. I'm so glad that they were discovered. I hope casting directors find more of those sorts of diamonds in the rough, if you will. It's so hard now. I think I made it, maybe have talked about this in regards to MTV's The Challenge, but uh, when I look at that show and the history of it, it's been on for hundreds of years at this point. But <laughs> yeah. early on, the people who were cast on something like The Real World or Road Rules, when reality TV was in its infancy, they weren't concerned about brand deals, Instagram, any of that kind of stuff. And so you got these, they cast for big personalities. And then in more recent times, although there have been some great additions to that show, it's a lot of people who are influencers and they oftentimes either come in guarded because they're looking at their purse strings. And uh, you also get the people who are being wild cards just to be crazy on TV, uh, to, to be more nuts than someone before. And it's harder, I think, to find those personalities that are just, they're big personalities by nature and not for the show. Does that make sense? Uh, it makes a hundred percent sense. And I completely agree with you. And I think that's a huge problem. And I, I do know from the conversations that I had in the book with producers and executives, they, they don't want that. They don't want the women coming in with a business plan for all the products they're going to release for the next couple of years. They're not looking for that sort of thing, but it's difficult. And I think the best housewives because every housewife really does come in thinking about Bethany and thinking about Skinny Girl and thinking about how they can build their business. They all admit that to me in the book. I think the best housewives are the ones who are really just doing it for fun. And two that come to mind, both in the book, openly talk about this, is Ashley Darby, who's literally just like, this is a, jo- a job for me. I have a great time. It's, you know, I don't really care. And uh, and Giselle Bryant. I Giselle... I think is the best housewife of all time in the sense of her attitude towards the show. I know a lot of people have issues with her. They think she's messy, but she treats this like a job. She goes in, she has fun and she is unbothered by it. Notice she never is clapping back at somebody on social media. She's never posting some takedown about someone on Instagram. She's just living her life with her kids having fun. She doesn't care what you say about her. She doesn't care. She's bedazzling those clothes. (laughs) People have been knocking her style for that many years. You think she would get a new stylist. She doesn't care. And I love that about her. You know, she's like, I'm going to have my reasonably shady party in my driveway while my house is under construction. Cause I'm smart enough to know that y'all are going to make fun of it. And it'll be a great scene next. You know, and I, I can't love Giselle because I have such a loyalty to my dear Karen Huger. So I have to be against Giselle a little bit, but I do but, appreciate her on the show. But Danny, Karen loves Giselle. Karen I know they do love that, each other. Yeah. Karen knows she can't exist on the show without Giselle and Giselle knows she can't exist on the show without Karen. Who do you think needed more time on the show? Who was gone too soon? Uh, uh, Claudia Jordan is. Yeah. A what was name. going on there? Why didn't that go on? She was good know. on the show. She was incredible, and everyone basically says it that you know they thought uh, Carlos King talks about it, who was producing her at the time, that she was an incredible housewife. She, the, my favorite part of the book is when she apparently like reads Nini when they're away on that trip, and Nini leaves that filming and turns to Carlos King and says, "That's the girl you need to have as a housewife. She's incredible." Right, even just, after Claudia had just dragged Nini, she was yeah. still cognizant of the fact that this was a good person for this show. Right. I think that Claudia Jordan is a huge miss opportunity. I would love to see more of her. And I, I'm one of those people who's hopeful that there will be returns for various women again. Uh, but Claudia, I want her to have a chance. You know, she moved to Dallas and they talked to her about the possibility of joining Dallas. She told me all about that. I would have loved to see her there too. They Maybe could have saved it. <laughs> they've yet to do a housewife crossover like that, but it would be nice to see. I, I hope Claudia comes back to TV. And Why do you think Dallas flopped so hard? What do you think? Why do you think they were like, okay, let's get rid of Dallas? You know, I don't know. I mean, I, the book was done before that happened. So I, I wish that I had some insight from production or, or, or from the network to be able to tell you, or even to have in there as a viewer, it really felt as though um, there wasn't a cohesive group anymore. 
And I do think that a lot of housewives don't realize that this is a marathon and not a sprint. And when you're saying things like, I'll never work with this person again, I can't stand them, and you're refusing to kind of have resolution and growth and movement, it is detrimental to the future of the franchise. So I pray that every woman, uh, you know, I recently heard Mia Thornton say, I will never film with Candace again. And it's like, you're just a season one housewife. Like this, is, there's a long road here to go down. So let's try and find ways to move forward. And I do think Bravo more and more by canceling Dallas, by getting rid of people like Dorinda, I think their message is we're making the best shows here as possible. And no one has absolute power over the network. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's got to be so difficult. I'm lucky that I don't have to make the decision. It's got to be so difficult for the people who do make casting decisions to decide who stays and who goes and what that will look like. I think they're thinking of a big picture in a way that a lot of fans don't. I mean, look at what's happened to Sheree. I hate Sheree. I want her off the show. She leaves. Oh, we miss Sheree. We want Sheree back. She comes back. Oh, now we're tired of Sheree. She leaves. You know, so it's like, I think it's hard if they can't really be reactive to what the fans are saying all the time. They have to really see where we're going and and judge people's stories, but they take it by a case-by-case situation from what I've understood from these interviews. And I think we we do have Sheree coming back for a second time. I She's the first housewife ever to be coming back for a second time on Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, allegedly. It, I haven't allegedly. heard that. Allegedly. <laughs> I've heard that. And I heard, also heard some really good things about her specific storylines. So that would be great. I'm I love Sheree. It's hard with our, you know, it's that respect. Or maybe it was Carlos King I, that has said, respect your villains on reality TV. And I think that's hard. I I think Kenya makes good TV. Now, do I always like Kenya? No, but I do think she makes good TV and knows how to stir the pot in the way that it needs to be done. But of course that changes. And we all, as viewers and fans, we change on a dime. <laughs> and as soon as we're off here, Dave, I might hate some of these people that I just said I love. That's of the fun course. of the show. Right. And if you can have fun with it and you can be light about it and you can enjoy it, that's great. Sometimes I do feel, and I I wonder whether you have this experience, that the fandom gets so angry about some of these things. I often wonder, like, are you even enjoying the experience of watching? Especially with Beverly Hills. Sometimes it's like, well, I do think you should stop watching. And there's been seasons on Everything Iconic. I think I took one or two off from covering Beverly Hills because I was like, I'm just not really, I, I wasn't feeling it. And I think just give it, if you don't like something, if it's not bringing, if it's bringing you not just not joy, but intense hatred, right? Like we're seeing yeah. people just being so intensely against this program. And then it's like, yes, you definitely shouldn't watch it. It's not good for you. No, it's bad for your health. It's bad for yeah. your spirit. You know, let it go. But I, approach everything as a fan. I just love, love, love. <laughs> I'm like, what, Teresa, right? I just love, 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 love and light. Um, and, and when we worked on this, I mean, the whole time, and you can see how thick it is, everything I was doing was just pouring in love and trying to show viewers that even sometimes the people that you hate are real people. They're going through this experience I would never put myself on a television show like this and have the court of public opinion judge all of my mistakes. Uh, That would be very difficult. And I think they're all super duper brave for doing it, even if I don't agree with everything they do. And you've interviewed so many of these housewives, and I think that often humanizes them in a way that watching the show doesn't. I mean, that's one of the takeaways from this podcast that I've noticed is oftentimes talking to them, it, it is different. And not that you're trying to give a biased opinion, but an edited view of someone's life is different than sitting and have a con- having a conversation. Yeah. And listen, the show is built in such a way, the formula of the show, the way it's structured that you're going to have, you know, uh, disagreements with the way people are acting. You're going to have opinions. You're going to be team Teresa or team Jackie. You're going to be team whatever or whatever. Um, and that's fun. That's fair. Oh, by the way, though, I want to mention one of the things that I took away from your book. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I'm getting so excited. But one of the big takeaways, you mentioned the Nini and Claudia of it all. And I think oftentimes that's important to remember as fans of these shows, although we might be team Nini or team Claudia, it's pulling back the curtain a little bit. We can see that oftentimes those two women are supportive of the opposite one. 
I don't know if that made sense. No, it makes, I mean, I'm going to bring it back to Karen and Giselle. You will never hear Karen or Giselle say, I hope the other isn't on the show. Karen is not advocating for Giselle's firing. Giselle is not advocating for Karen's firing. They have a disagreement. They have an argument. And Giselle, especially as someone to say, that was good TV. You know, they know, like she knows that Karen brings something and Karen knows that Giselle brings something. And certainly as viewers, we can argue about it all, but they're laughing all the way to the bank. <laughs> Dave, I know I've kept you for much longer than I had planned. Have Anything we? you want to clear up about this book or any final things you want to let the audience know? Well, you know, Danny, some of the women have been calling me in the past couple of days since the since they've been receiving copies of the book, and they're pissed at things that other women have said to them. <sighs> like what? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, certain people were frustrated. I don't want to. I don't want to blow up their spots, but certain people were frustrated about the way that they were painted by other people. I want to let everyone know. Everyone had the option to be as shady as they wanted to be. There was again no topics off limit, and I tried to mention it all uh, (laughs) as we could. I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, ultimately fans will be able to see the people who maybe aren't being as shady as not being cowardly, but being above it all. I think that's a, that's pretty much how I perceive them. Fly above the haters. Fly above the haters. Like Danny said, and I'm hopeful, Danny, honestly, just as a fan talking to another super fan, I'm hopeful that some of this translates into drama on the show. Like, don't you want it to be like what you wrote about me in that book? I want Danielle Staub to be like, let's talk about the book and it'd be this one. And Uh, (laughs) throw it on the table like cop without a badge. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic. A North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. Andy has always said, you'll know the housewives are done when they start doing, uh, getting the women together on a trip or something like that. And now we're getting these all-star seasons, the first of which is coming very soon on Peacock, the second of which looks completely unhinged at Dorinda's house. And I cannot wait. Um, What do you think of the future of housewives? You know, I have to tell you, in the course of this, doing the interviews for the book, that question came up a lot from producers asking me, what do you think? And I feel like there's still a lot of life in it. I feel as though something like Salt Lake City can come around and we have no idea. And it would just be like, oh my goodness, what is this gem? I see the franchise going wider. I see something like a, a place like Dubai being a, you know, a, a, a destination for interesting um, dynamics. I see other cities that we've never maybe thought of. Do you I watch Melbourne at all? I'm sorry to interrupt. It's so oh, good. No, that's okay. Melbourne is great. Uh, so good. I, I wish that I could watch more of the international ones, but I know that oftentimes you need to use illegal methods or uh, financial methods to get them. And I'm poor and a bit of a goody two shoes. So I have yet to watch some of them all. But yeah, I, I see the growth still happening, Danny. And I'm just going to quickly say that, you know, Yes, I know that quote very well that Andy said, where he feels like that's going to be the shark chunk moment. But I think we are entering into a new chapter in Housewives history, and the next 15 years is just going to look different, but I don't think it'll necessarily be worse. Yeah, I kind of thought that we were at the end, and then we got a season like this one of Beverly Hills and Potomac 
last season and and Salt Lake City has been so good. And so it made me look at it differently in terms of like, I think we're going to have good seasons and bad seasons, yeah. but the highs are still in front of us. Oftentimes, I think that's what makes watching fun and, and exciting. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, Dave, I ask all of my guests these two questions, your favorite Mariah Carey song and also sexiest man alive. If you were choosing for people magazine, which you often write for people magazine. So we, we think you have a little input. Okay. So um, I, I've been really excited about the possibility of answering these questions. So thank you so much, Danny. This is again, a dream come true for me, just as much writing this book as is being here with you. I adore oh you God, so much. My favorite Mariah Carey song is always be my baby. Um, there's just something about it that I love. It makes me want to dance in a cornfield. It's so nostalgic too. I feel like yeah. it's just like summertime, springtime, nostalgic summer camp. Yeah. And it like hits again. I was born in 1982. So I'm, you know, it's that generation of like when I was really discovering and appreciating music is when that came out. And then uh, my choice for sexiest man alive is Paul Rudd, uh, an ageless beauty. Right. I just think right. he's sexy as all hell. I like, I like humor. So he's a funny guy. I've had a crush on him since clueless. I mean, he's just the perfect man. And he still looks the same. And yeah, I just rewatched clueless and I actually didn't really. I, I, growing, I was never really attracted to Paul Rudd in Clueless until recently. I watch it. I'm like, oh my god! I'm now I get it. He's a stud. Yeah, totally Dave. Stud. Thank you so much. I want to encourage everyone to pick up all, not all diamonds and rosé. Did Lisa Van? Is she mad about this book? Because you use her, <laughs> you use her tagline in the title, but then she does not come across well in the book, in my opinion. Um, she, uh, I have not heard from her directly. She tweeted out that, uh, she was surprised that they used her tagline. Um, uh, Alex Baskin made it very clear that he wrote that tagline for her. So it's technically not her words. And he signed off on letting us use it. Oh my God. Even shady in that way. Um, I'm look, not I, trying to be shady. I, <laughs> I tore, love Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> I tore my rotator cuff, so I can't even lift this book with my left arm, but <laughs> it's so thorough, Dave. It's so impressively thorough and so made for the fans. And again, I cannot recommend it enough. I was blown away by how good it was. I had called you right after I read it. I was furiously texting you after I read it because there was, I think it was maybe last weekend or something when I got the copy, I read it. I couldn't put it down. It was like, I had to go to sleep. My boyfriend's like, Matt is like, you got to go to bed, put it down. I thought it was so good. And I'm, I swear I'm not just saying that because you're my friend. I mm. think any people who have been fans of this franchise and have followed it from the beginning or it picked up and become uh, obsessed with it in the way that we have. I love people who are obsessed with things, like I, particularly pop culture things. And I think people who listen to this podcast are obsessed with Housewives and Bravo in that way. And this was was made for us. And so I thank you and I I'm so proud and I I know people are going to love it. So, and also one last thing I want to say is that even though we've covered a lot on this and you're in these interviews and there's little excerpts going around, there's still so much to unpack in it. So pick it up because just thinking that you read an interview or an article or something, I swear there's more juicy details in it. Oh, I thank you so much for saying all that. Now, Danny, I have one question for you. Yeah. When your book comes out, will you let me come back to the podcast to interview you? <gasps> Please, Dave. Okay, yes. good. Because I would everyone, love to do that. When they're going to IndieBound.com or Amazon or Barnes & Noble, order my book as well. How do I unremember yeah. those? <laughs> it's called. Exactly. Thank you, Dave. Those pre-orders matter, and I'm so proud of you. Thank you for having I me. I thank adore you. Thank you, Dave. You. I love you. We'll talk soon. Bye. Yeah. 